What's up, y'all? I'm jumping on real quick to ask you all to do me a favor. If you are a listener of my podcast, make sure to leave me a review. I don't care if you've been listening from day one or if this is your first time listening. Go ahead and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening to. Why? Well, the obvious reason is, of course, I want to hear from you all and I want to know how the episodes are landing with you. But the more important reason is when you leave a review, it helps other people to find my podcast. So ultimately, you are joining me in the quest to helping others become more culturally aware by spreading the word and helping them to walk a day in my culture. So after you hear this episode, take a few minutes at the end and leave me a review. I'm thanking you in advance for being part of making cultural change, one listen at a time and one review at a time. Alrighty, let's jump into the podcast. Mary Eliza Mahoney, RN, 1845 to 1926. Mary Eliza Mahoney was the first black professionally trained nurse in the United States. She graduated from the New England Hospital for Women and Children in 1879. Born in Roxbury, Massachusetts, she was the eldest of three children of Charles and Mary Jane Mahoney. Little was known of Miss Mahoney's life before her enrollment at the nursing school. Before becoming a student, she had been employed at the hospital as a maid of all work. The New England Hospital for Women and Children graduated America's first professional nurse in 1873. Mary Mahoney enrolled on March 26, 1878. Afterwards, the nurses' training period was lengthened and academic standards became more rigorous. Of the 18 trainees who were accepted for trial and of the nine who continued, only four, including Mary Eliza Mahoney, received the coveted diploma. Despite the hospital's strict requirements, 12 months in the hospital's medical, surgical, and maternity wards, four months of private duty, as well as lectures and bedside instructions by a doctor, Miss Mahoney withstood the pressure and maintained an exceptionally good record. Despite the rigid trends of discrimination, her excellence eventually paved the road for other black nurses. By 1899, the New England Hospital had five black alumnae. Miss Mahoney was small in stature and weighed less than 100 pounds. She is said to have been interesting, posing an unusual personality and a great deal of charm. She worked as a private duty nurse employed by the best families in Boston and nearby suburbs and was praised for her calm efficiency. She was a member of the New England Hospitals Alumnae Association and one of the few black members of the American Nurses Association. One of the problems which always distressed her in the early days was the fact that good schools usually closed their doors to blacks. When the National Association of Colored Graduate Nurses was founded in 1908, she participated with much enthusiasm. At its first annual meeting the following year, 
she delivered the welcome address, was elected chaplain, and given a lifetime membership. She became a regular attendee through 1921 and was extremely helpful in recruiting for the association. She was also a fervent supporter of women's suffrage. After the passage of the 19th Amendment, she is said to have been one of the first Black women in Boston to register to vote. Mary Eliza Mahoney died of cancer in the New England Hospital for Women and Children at the age of 81 in 1926. In 1936, because of Miss Mahoney's unstinting work in the field of nursing and in the organization of nurses, the National Association of Colored Graduate Nurses established the Mary Mahoney Award. This award is now given in her honor for outstanding contributions to intergroup relations by the American Nurse Association. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Walk a Day in My Culture. This is a podcast where I help you increase your cultural awareness by talking about the daily experiences I have as a Black woman. Now, y'all know, say it with me. The mantra is, I believe by y'all all all hearing my experiences as a Black woman, you can hypothetically walk a day in my culture, which will help you to literally walk on the path of increasing your cultural awareness. So speaking of my experiences, you know, I just want to give a little backdrop before jumping into today's episode. There has been something on my chest that I just, I just can't continue with another episode without getting this off my chest. I just can't do it. So lately I have been feeling very, very conflicted about the topics that I really want to cover and talk about on my podcast. And I've been feeling conflicted because they are real, 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 and they are real, real raw. And so a lot of times when I talk candidly about this type of stuff, it's it's very bold and it's very unapologetic. And so with that, there is a fear that I might offend somebody And it's also a fear of how others will look at me and view me on a professional level. And it's had me, like that fear has had me kind of wanting to put some topics on pause, so to speak, and I've just been letting them kind of like simmer in the background. But today, I look, I done decided I am taking the same stance with my podcast as I do with my newsletter. And so for those of you who subscribe to my newsletters, you know that they are very raw and unapologetic, period. That's just what it is if you subscribe to my newsletters. And so my podcast is a compliment to my newsletters and vice versa. And so there will be no sugarcoating my experience as a Black woman, nor will I be watering down these experiences or my feelings associated with them. And... I am no longer keeping topics on the back burner. That to me is teetering on being fake. And I just, I can't do that. Y'all who know me, you know, I don't do the fakeness. And so I ain't doing it, period. I'm just, I'm just not doing it. And so hypothetically speaking, I am done simmering the food on the back burner. The cultural meal is done and it is time to serve y'all dinner, okay? If you find yourself offended or frustrated by the things that I am covering in my podcast episodes, then welcome to my world. Have a seat 
and take it in on how this is to be black not how you not how it is to be black because you could never understand that but just the feeling of like constantly being offended and flustered welcome to my world and if you can't see past the message that I'm trying to convey in my podcast episodes about the struggles, the beauty, the obstacles, and the uniqueness of being a black woman in today's society, then this just ain't the podcast for you. It just ain't. Because I'm on a mission to try and help non-black people be more culturally aware, especially when working with my people, black people. I am also on a mission to help black people listening to feel validated and to not feel like they are alone in their experiences. And I am on a mission to be true to my experience as a black woman moving through this world. Okay. So with that said, now that I done got that all off my chest, thank you for listening to that little vent for a second. With that said, let's get into today's episode which is entitled Your Readiness and My Equality. And that is inspired by the cultural work that I do. So just for a little backdrop, for those of y'all who don't really know the type of work that I do, um, I do contract work. And by that, I mean um, organizations or agencies, they'll have me come in and either do one or a few trainings or workshops to kind of help assist them in increasing their cultural awareness. I also do uh, my own individual workshops and trainings where people can come to my place of business and I provide them with trainings um, on being culturally aware. So a lot of times professionals in the community will come to those trainings or workshops. And just a little quick shameless plug, y'all know I'm about to become a CEU provider and you know you need continuing education units. So I do believe in many of the fields Cultural competency, cultural awareness is a requirement. So, you know, be on the lookout for that so that you can get your continuing education. Okay. Um, And then the other thing that I do is I do consultation work as well. And so therapists or other professionals working with the Black community will contact me for consultation just on how they can kind of deliver the work that they do in a more culturally sensitive way. So why am I sharing all of this? Like, Narissa, what is the point you probably asking? Well, one thing is I'm just so excited, like about what God has done, how he has blessed my business, how he has blessed my vision. And he's really starting to make it flourish in the way that I want it to. And the bigger reason I am, well, not the bigger, because I ain't nothing bigger than God. But the other reason that I am sharing all this information is because, you know, what I'm about to disclose, I want to keep it confidential. And so I wear a lot of cultural hats and that way it's not really divulging anything, but it also helps me to stay real to my experience as a black woman. So y'all can walk a day in my shoes, but at the same time, not identifying who or what company I'm talking about. Um, and just helping to kind of keep it real, like I said. So anyway, let's get into the story. A couple of months ago, I was contacted by someone regarding one of the cultural awareness trainings that I offer. And so, you know, we set up a time to talk. I explained the training. I explained my fee. And as explaining like the training and the ins and outs of it, I got this immediate response, um, 
like around the language that I use, particularly around when I talk about white fragility and white privilege. It was almost like this vibe of um, kind of like wanting me to like not use those terms. And it was kind of a hint to that as well. Like it was this vibe of like uncomfort- uncomfortability. <laughs> and it was also kind of like, a hint of like, oh, let's just not use those words. And I'm like, okay, in my head. And you know, I am at a point in my career where I'm not changing my style. I'm not changing my approach. That is what makes me me, number one. And number two, that's what makes me marketable to certain audiences who actually like my style and my approach of being very bold and jumping right in. And you know, the way I talk about culture, the way I help people think about culture in a very different way, the way I bring home my points, I do it through my style and my approach. And that's what makes my work one of a kind that you ain't gonna find nowhere else. So I politely told this person that I would not be excluding those terms. And white privilege and white fragility is a part of cultural awareness. It is impossible to really help people become culturally aware by and and not use those words like I just I that's that's just what it is so you know I got the response of you know well you know I'll get back to you and see if I'm able to you know participate in your workshop blah 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 and you know a little while later a couple of days or so I get an email about oh well maybe I can utilize your services at a different time and then there was kind of like this passive undertone thing that happened at the end of the email that said oh, you know, I want to also ensure that I have the funds. And I just politely responded and was like, all right, thanks. You know, you know, thanks for considering my services. And I was like, done. Now y'all know I got a whole bunch of thoughts around this topic and around this story. So after the commercial break, I am going to come back on here and I'm going to just break down some things in regards to your readiness and my equality. And before getting into commercial breaks, shout out to my husband, y'all, because, you know, I jokingly call him my editor in chief um, because he is always in the background of all the stuff that I am doing with my newsletter, with my podcast. And, you know, he gave me a gentle nudge about the fact that my commercial breaks are very long. He said that they're good but they are very long. And so I'm going to change up the style of my commercial breaks just a little bit. I am not going to do them all at once. I'm going to break them up a little bit. And, you know, thank you, husband, for your truth and keeping it real with me. And I'm sure the podcast listeners are thanking you, too, because I'm sure y'all probably think the commercials are long, too. (laughs) So with that said, I am going to change it up a little bit. So what you guys can expect is, of course, I'm going to still be honoring my two black people every single episode for the next year, if not longer. Right now we are on black women. And so I am honoring those women. So the second woman is embedded somewhere in this commercial break. And then the bigger change that you guys can expect is that it will be um, either two to three commercial breaks, depending on uh, 
kind of what I have to share and what's going on. And then I probably will randomly stop the podcast at some point and insert a commercial and then pop back on to the podcast. So um, that's what y'all can expect. That's the change you can expect. But I'm still expecting y'all to go take a bathroom break, go get you some water, put your feet up, change your position, do what you need to do and still listen to the commercials because there's always some good stuff in there that y'all probably need to hear about what's happening with my business or me just revealing certain things that are new and exciting and that are to come. So listen to the commercials. I will be right back. And then we're going to break down my readiness or sorry, your readiness and my equality. I'll be right back. Hey, you guys, this is the section of the commercial break where I give you awesome updates on what's happening with my business. As I say all the time, I really encourage you to listen to this entire commercial and the rest of the commercials because I have included some pretty cool things and some cultural announcements embedded within the commercial. So you don't want to miss those announcements. And just so that you know, my business update commercial often changes. So don't think that it's the same and that it remains the same, even if it is the same for a couple of weeks, because I'm always updating things with my business. And this is the section of the commercial break where you will know what's new. So always listen all the way through. Okay. So what is going on now with Narissa? I'm going to continue giving you those two dates. Um, There used to be three, but now there's two because we winding down the clock. I want you to mark your calendar. So first date to mark your calendar for is September 18th, 2020. That is the day I am releasing my book, which is entitled Understanding and Working with the Issues in the Black Community. You can go on ahead over to my website and pre-order this book now, www.bloomintoyourbestself.com. And just go ahead and order the book. This is a very, very, very exciting announcement for me, a very exciting thing for my business because I've been working on this book for a minute, y'all. And when I tell you I'm excited to just shed some light with y'all and enlighten you, I am excited. So if you are wondering if this is the book for you, then let me just, let me tell you why the answer is yes. If you want to know how to effectively work with the African-American population, this is the book for you. If you have ever wondered how to build an authentic relationship with the African-Americans that you serve, this is the book for you. If you want to know how to be culturally appropriate and ever wondered if you was interacting with us the right way, this is the book for you. And let me tell you, even if you black, this is the book for you because it is going to validate your experience. It's going to be a good point of reference for you. And it's going to be some evidence for people that be questioning the way that you working with your people. And you ain't never too well versed to not tighten up your skills as somebody that works with the community and looks like the community. So no matter who you are, this is the book for you. So go on head over and pre-order my book. The final day for now that I want you guys to put on your calendar 
is November the 6th, 2020. This is another exciting thing that I am doing and have been working on for a while. I am going to be releasing my cultural edition planner. As many of you know, I love making planners. I do it for fun. I'm a planner. I'm organized. I love to do all that stuff. And many of you have bought my planners. Um, and so you all can attest that my planners are high quality and high grade and they are handmade, which also makes it so special, but they don't look handmade though. But anyway, I am doing my cultural edition planner. And so you guys can go pre-order that right now too on my website, www.bloomintoyourbestself.com. And this is just going to be a planner that will help you to kind of develop your cultural skills, fill up your cultural toolbox, and who better to help you plan your day-to-day -day activities while helping you increase your cultural awareness because you need to be culturally aware every single day of the year. So go on ahead over to my website, look at those things, pre-order those things, and you know, get your cultural game up. These are my announcements for my business. Feel free to check out the details that I have put in the uh, show notes. And you can also find these things under the books and products tab on my website. And that's where you can pre-order things. So these are the things that are helpful for you and that will help you bloom into your best self. All right, y'all. So let's talk about your readiness. Um, you know, I think, where should I start? I think this is where I start. You really have to assess if you are ready to do the cultural work. Like you really, really got to assess it. Now, excuse my French. If you got little kids in the car or if they're around, cover their ears at this point because in five, four, three, two, one, I'm going to drop a bomb. So there are levels to this shit. That's the only way I can say it. And you got to know what level you are in to begin this work. You can uncover the kids ears now. So I think there's three levels, right? To assess your readiness to do this cultural awareness work. The first one is the beginning level, right? This is the level where you are learning kind of like definition, so to speak. You're learning what microaggressions are. You're learning about implicit bias. You're learning about white fragility, white privilege, internalized racism. And you really starting to understand and define these terms. And you also are starting to learn to recognize them. This is a very beginning stage. And even if you are in this stage, you're still ready to do the work. You're just ready to do it at this level with understanding like what these things are. Then there's the intermediate level, right? And that is where you are actively taking baby steps. You almost kind of like my little baby now, like learning, trying to learn how to walk, taking these little steps, holding on to a walker, you know, and you starting to slowly fight against the things that I just disclosed. You, you noticing microaggressions and you trying to kind of fight against you engaging in those things or if you have some internalized racism going on you really fight in that and combat in that you're learning to recognize and correct these things and you also learning when you know to when you see these things you take a mental note of the behavior that you are witnessing taking place and you are 
making a mental note that you are going to try to do things differently from what this person that you see is doing. So that's kind of like the intermediate level. Now, you might call somebody out on it if you advanced, which is the next level, right? Where you starting to take leaps. You done put the walker down. You running, you know, across the street and doing jumping jacks, right? You starting to really take some leaps and you might correct somebody if they engage in a microaggression or, you know, if you notice in some white privilege or some white fragility, you really might start naming some stuff and calling out some stuff. Um, you start really, really thinking about culture and you have constant cultural thoughts, like in constant rotation. But I warn people, you gotta be careful in this stage because this is a stage where I personally believe your implicit bias can actually become invisible bias. You might think that you woke and you might think that you real conscious about what you got going on, but this is when some unconscious stuff just can get so seeped within you that you don't even realize what you engaging in. You might not realize the areas where your white privilege is just showing up real loud. You might not necessarily realize that you are being culturally insensitive unknowingly while trying to promote cultural awareness. You just really might not realize these things. And so when you are really advanced and you are being really good at being advanced, you have taken steps to doing the work on your own. You are reading articles constantly. You are watching videos. You're listening to podcasts. You are seeking, you know, consultation constantly to make sure that you are not blind to the things that you really think that you got in the bag. And when you are advanced, you know when to kind of take a break as well. So it's a constant rotation of culture on your mind, but it's also a constant rotation of making sure that you tend to and take care of your cultural wounds, which is a very advanced place to be. Once you assess these things, you can assess how ready you are for cultural trainings and workshops. And that is when you know, you can decide which one is right for you. But there's also some times where you need to decide, or not where you need to decide. There's also some times where you may not necessarily be ready to engage in this cultural work. And that's an important thing to be aware of too, because a lot of people want to toot around and talk about they want to be culturally aware and they want to be culturally sensitive and culturally humble and all these good things because it sounds good, right? But when you really hunker down and think about what that means and what kind of work you're going to be engaging in, you actually might not be ready. Hello again. Yes, it's me. <laughs> I had to pause the podcast to just promote my monthly newsletter. Are you subscribed to my newsletter? If so, I really thank you for your subscription. It is greatly appreciated. If not, you are missing out. What are you waiting for? Go to my website, www.bloomintoyourbestself.com and sign up. I have two versions of my newsletter. 
I have a free version and I have a paid version. Both of them are outlined on my website so you can find out what subscription works best for you. Honestly, it's not an excuse for you to not subscribe. I mean, what do you have to lose? You have a free version and you have a paid version. Both versions are high quality, they are superb, and you get cultural knowledge dropped on you every single month. So go subscribe. Again, go to my website, www.bloomintoyourbestself.com. Look under newsletter subscriptions, read the description, see which one works for you. Again, they are both very high quality, regardless of if you have the free version or the paid version and sign up, like sign up. Okay. All right. (laughs) Let's get back into the rest of this podcast. So, you know, you might not be ready. And a way to tell if you're not ready is if you are afraid of rocking the boat, you ain't ready. If you're afraid of people being offended, you ain't ready. If you're afraid of tension and strong emotion, you ain't ready. True cultural awareness is hard work. It ain't no walk in the park. You're not skipping through the meadows. You ain't smelling tulips. You walking down dirty alleys and streets. You sweeping up broken glass. You know, you smelling funk from garbage cans that are overflowing with cultural mess. But, oh, how pretty the walk can be when you take the time to empty the trash, to put a little paint on that building that got some graffiti, you know, to to help continue sweeping up the glass, picking up the trash. That is the path of becoming culturally aware, like truly culturally aware. That is the path. It's a dirty and messy walk with some beautiful moments along the way. So that is how you can kind of tell if you are ready or if you're not ready. Um, And after this break, I'm going to come back and talk about the importance of my equality. And honestly speaking, the equality of anybody doing this work, particularly people of color and especially black folks doing this work. So I'm gonna take another quick break, but still listen to these commercials because you know, you know what be embedded in these commercials. And I'll be right back. Nina May McKinney, 1913-1967 Nina May McKinney was the first Black female motion picture star. She was born Nanny Mamie McKinney in 1913 in Lancaster, South Carolina. Her family moved to New York, and when she was only 17, she appeared on Broadway in the Lou Leslie musical review, Blackbirds of 1928. Kind Vender, a motion picture producer, saw a performance and offered her the principal role of Chick in his motion picture, Hallelujah. Thus, she emerged as the first recognized black actress on the silver screen. The energetic leading lady was an overnight sensation. As the tempting vamp, a role purportedly written for Blackbird's star, Ethel Waters, she became the motion picture's industry's first black love goddess. 
Nina May received rave reviews for her performance. She became the epitome of exotic sex object. Her creation was that of both woman and girl, struggling between impulse and self-discipline with an uncontrolled raunchiness. Metro Goldwyn Mayer signed her to a then unprecedented five-year contract. Although it was said that she was, quote, one of the most beautiful women of her time and that she was one of the greatest discoveries of the age, her success was short-lived. MGM failed to develop properties for her talent and her option was dropped. There were too few roles for black female actresses and she was able only to get parts in minor films and occasional short subjects or in the limited released race pictures of Oscar Michelle. She left the United States to tour the cabarets of Europe where she was often billed as the Black Garbo. She sang in nightclubs in Paris, Budapest, London, and Dublin. In England, she appeared with Paul Robinson in the classic film, Sanders of the River. Still, her great potential as a film star was never fully realized. Hollywood had not yet found a place for the black performer. Nina May was the first of many black actresses of leading lady talent whose career would lead to a dead end. Her last significant screen role was that of the knife-welding antagonist in the 1947 film, Pinky, which starred Ethel Waters. Although Nina Mae McKinney's career did not soar, her initial portrayal of the sultry chick became the standard for enticing leading ladies in the motion picture industry. She died in 1967. Have you ever wanted to receive services that truly consider your culture first? I mean, like really considered your culture first, not in a surface or fluffy way, but in a very deep, rich and validating way. Well, look no further. My husband and I have finally put our brains together on how we can provide services that consider your culture first. At Culture First Family Therapy and Training Services, we offer an array of services that help people truly become more culturally aware. From the trainings and workshops we develop and offer, to the consultations we provide, to training our supervisees to use their cultural lens when providing services to people of color, we believe in putting culture first. Go check out our website and the services that we offer over at www.culturefirst with the number one.org. Again, that website is www.culturefirst.org. C U L T U R E, the number one st.org. We are so excited about this and we just look forward to helping you embark on the journey of cultural awareness by learning how to put culture first. Okie dokie, I am back. So let's just talk about my equality for a moment, okay? And even though I'm talking about my experience, 
I really want you guys to know that this can be utilized by any person of color, particularly and especially black professionals who are doing this work or any other self-employed type of work. So this goes for the black businesswoman or man, um, the black entrepreneur, just anybody doing this work. Um, and I keep saying this work, but any black professional that's self-employed, a businesswoman or a businessman are on an entrepreneurship journey. Remember that even though I'm talking about me, this can all easily kind of translate to you, so to speak. Um, so yeah, so let's talk about my equality. Yeah, on numerous occasions, this type of thing has happened <laughs> with me where people want my services for way less than they are worth or for whatever reason, they don't engage in my services because they most likely are not ready. And I can giggle about it now because like I said earlier, the Lord then just blessed me and I am just appreciative of all that he is doing with my business. And I will never turn my back on him or the fact that he is the one that's making all these little moves in my life. Um, so I can kind of laugh about it right now because my whole thing is not every contract, not every participant in my workshop, not every person that wants to do a consultation is right for me and right for my business. And so that's why I can kind of giggle at it right now and kind of just be like, this didn't happen on numerous occasions. And it's probably God's way of keeping me protected from unnecessary cultural drama. Um, and so, you know, but I want to stick to the point of the little passive comment at the end, which was the, the fee, because I feel like I've assessed and talked about the readiness um, prior to this segment. Um, so when I initially got my feet wet, you know, I did do that. I offered my services for way less than what they were worth because you got to start somewhere, right? Wrong. And I say it again, wrong. No, that is absolutely 150% not true. And I'm gonna give you three reasons why. Number one, white folks don't do that and neither do men. Okay. So just as an example, not even an example of like cultural trainings or workshops, but just on a pure therapeutic private practice, seeing clients direct service face-to-face -face basis. There have been interns out of school. And when I say out of school, I mean like fresh out of school, don't even have a master's degree printed and in their hand that be charging like $225, $275 per hour for an assessment session. Now, if you're not in California, that might seem way over the top. If you are in California or another big um, state like New York, that's pretty standard, you know, for sessions. Because, I mean, the cost of living is super high in California. This cost of living is super high in New York. And then there's some other states where it's the cost of living is high. But, I mean, let's, we talk about an intern, like fresh out of school that still needs a supervisor charging these rates. And let's not even get on the fact that men just, they just don't do it. They don't go back and forth. They ain't going back and forth with you about they rate. They rate as they rate. And that's just what it is. And this is what you either go pay or you not go pay and go somewhere else and think you can get it for a better price, right? Men just don't do that. And we know men get paid more than women. So why should I, as a black woman, sell myself short? Like, why would I do that? Especially 
with the experience that I bring to the table. That is like completely selling myself short, which brings me to point number two, or reason number two, as to why I think it's wrong with this whole mentality, you gotta start somewhere, um, or just in general with my business, right? Number two is I'm not gonna exploit myself. I ain't gonna do it. Like my services are well worth what I charge and I still charge a really good rate, right? And I do that intentionally just because I'm not, I do this work one, because I love it. Two, I definitely need to make a living off the work that I'm doing. But three, I ain't trying to, you know, take nobody to the bank like that. Like I'm not trying to be a greedy and a a hog, but I'm also not trying to exploit myself. And again, my services are very well worth what I charge. Um, And so why as a black woman would I not charge at least what a white male is offering or a white woman or a non-black person of color? I have the clinical skill, I have the lived experience, and I got the educational background to support my rate. The rate is the rate, take it or leave it, period. And the third reason I feel like, you know, it's, it's, wrong to kind of have this mindset of, well, you got to start somewhere is I do my homework. Okay. And so I consult about what I offer. If what I'm offering is along the lines of what's needed and what's out there. And I also consult about the things that come up while offering these trainings and workshops. I consult with more than one person, right? Just to make sure I'm covering my bases. And so I know that what I am offering is right based off of my skill set, based off of my experience, based off of what I am actually offering. And so because of me doing my homework and because of me doing my consultation, I know that what I am offering deserves to be treated equally to what somebody else is willing to pay a white person. Because you know, white folks ain't gonna have to go back and forth. It's just kind of like, this is what I offer. This is my rate. And people be like, okay, here you go. But when we come to a black woman who is black trying to teach you about how to work with black folks and how to be culturally aware because she got lived experience of oppression and racism and discrimination and all the systemic oppression things that she undealt with. Now we got a question and we got to, you know, pause and we ain't ready for the service. I mean, mm. but all I'm going to say is I know that what I offer deserves to be treated equally to what someone is willing to pay a white person because I have done my homework and I have consulted. So therefore, I will demand nothing less than equality or I'm not the trainer, consultant, or workshop leader for you. Point blank, period. Okay? So that is my rant for today. The cultural tidbit that I want you all to think about is if you are ready for like true cultural work and to really think about what stage are you in? Are you a beginner? Are you intermediate? Are you advanced? Just like really think about those things. Um, And yeah, so until next week and until the next time we chat, I hope that you do something that will help you bloom into your best self And I am so excited, as usual, for you to come back and join me next week so that you can walk another day in my culture.